The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's the weekend edition. We made it. We made it, folks. Fatigue be damned. My voice fatigue be damned. My voice is tired, man. Between miscellaneous play-by-play gigs and phone calls and podcasts, I am talking entirely too much. At some point in the not-too-distant future, I'm going into a monk-like silence for three days, and nobody can stop me. You know, it's been a really cool development here over the last couple of days. For some reason, all of the groups that send junk mail are sending out those return address stamps. And many of you know this. I've turned them into the world's biggest return address stamp ball. I'm going to put a picture of that on Twitter. I'm having fun with that this morning as well. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. It's Friday. It's weekend edition. I am your host, Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, but you know that by now. If you do not follow me on Twitter, please do so. Google Dan from Hoopball, and my Twitter is like the fourth or fifth result. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see that bad boy. Give me a follow. And while you're at it, please, please, please continue to drop those five-star reviews on the podcast. I am incredibly grateful for what you guys have done over these last couple of weeks. This is actually kind of remarkable because this is a time of year where everybody's sort of settled in, and I feel like most of the folks that have done the review are going to do it. And then all of a sudden, whammo, we got like another 30 or 40 of you guys. So please keep doing it. If you're one of the few that hasn't done it yet and you've been thinking about it, if you have access to anybody's phone that's an Apple product. Doesn't even have to be your own. Just just grab one. I know you're listening to the podcast on whatever service it might be, but those iTunes reviews, those are the ones that really go nuts. So find an iTunes computer, find the podcast app on either an iPad or somebody's phone, and drop a five-star review on the show. If you want to write something, too, that's great. You don't have to, and uh, we'll love you forever. So thank you for that in advance. Thank you to everybody that's been writing in, that's interested in becoming a part of our team at HoopBall. We're continuing to look for blurbers. It's a fun word to say, also not super easy. Blurbers. If you want to learn how to write for fantasy, bug me. Twitter, one way to do it. You can email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. This podcast, of course, is brought to you by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter, and hawaiianisles.com. It's Friday, so you know what the plan is, or you should by now. We have the Thursday review, which was pretty interesting, actually. That I told you that Cleveland-Detroit game was my homework assignment for everybody. And also, our Cavaliers wager was an easy winner. Easy, easy, easy. They won it straight up in overtime. Moneyline winner. Not that we advocated that move, but you know, catching seven and a half points was a, a freaking gimme for this team right now. So we'll break down the Thursday results. We're going to go our whole week in review. I've got my mega list of pickups, drops, watch list guys, holds, and streamers. And I should do this before I start recording, but I always forget to. The number today is 32. No, that's not right. Yeah, it is. I got 32 names on that damn list today. What have you done, Dan? You idiot. (laughs) 
oh, that's too many. We're going to be here for too long. And then, of course, we'll be profiling the entire weekend. We'll look at every team's next ball game, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it takes to look at every team's next game and give you guys what you are looking out for over the weekend. So that way you know what things are actionable. And it also ties us together, a nice little thread connecting our Friday show and our Monday show, which will have a visit from our buddy Pedro Doreste on Monday. Excited we're actually recording that later today. It'll be a Friday recording, so that'll air during our next show on Monday morning. Thursday. Let's start with Thursday. That makes the most sense. The quick review. And some of the names on our pickup, drop, watch list, hold, streamer, mega list are going to come up here as we go through these Thursday games, particularly that first one. Cleveland-Detroit, because these are two teams that are in a serious state of flux right now. The Cavaliers coming off of the whole veterans are annoyed, Kevin Love pouting situation. And to his credit, he's played a little bit harder in his last couple of ball games. Tristan Thompson is playing way harder. This is what we like to call veterans want to get traded time. Play me out of town. We'll play him a tune as they wander out of Cleveland. This is rehabilitating value, and for the Cavaliers, you know damn well, and I, and I think, I believe it was Brian Windhorst on the jump who made mention of this. This is the case, well, let me tell you what he said first. Brian was saying, after Kevin Love had his little temper tantrum, he met with Cavs GM Kobe Altman, and Kobe said to Kevin Love, look, we're not just going to trade you for a hill of beans. We're not just going to give you away for nothing. It's actually better for our organization if we don't even play you for two years to make sure we get adequate value for you in a trade. So if you want to get out of town, play like you mean it, and we can tell people, look, you're getting an all-star. And so now Love has gone out there. He's played harder. I'm sure that the same message was passed along to Tristan Thompson. Hey, you want to get traded? Go get a bunch of double-doubles. We'll get you out of town. Tristan Thompson really took that message to heart, played his ass off against Andre Drummond. That is not an easy task. And for Tristan, I mean, this might be his best game of the entire season, but this looks more like the guy from the first couple weeks when he was playing hard before he got tired. The dog days on a bad team are particularly taxing. He even made five out of his six free throws. So I think you can stream Tristan Thompson right now. Uh... He had fallen out of favor for a number of weeks. After a very hot start, he had been back towards the end of the top 200 for about a month. And even with this, these last two bigger games, and they've both been pretty good now, two good ones in a row, he's still at 125, but climbing. Right? So you look at his last month, he's at 168, even with those two giant games. Last two weeks, he's at 126. Last week, he's top 40. Last three ball games, basically. So he's trending up right now, and it's a hot stretch, and it's definitely correlated to the fact that he wants to get moved. So stream away. Once he gets traded, he's probably not going to have any value again. The guys we're really paying attention to in Cleveland right now are the guards. Is Dante Exum going to play at all? I think he was still sick for this one. Chetty Osman has a terrible fantasy game. We've been saying that for two years, and I think the world is finally catching on. Darius Garland, well, let's get to him in a second. Colin Sexton, the other one, he had four defensive stats in this game, and he actually has been a little bit better for about two weeks, but he's still number 164 on the season, and he's still outside the top 120 even over those two weeks. 
The way he's been able to float his value lately is that he has five steals in his last three ball games, which is really not his MO. He's averaging just one steal a game on the year, which is, by the way, way up from last season when he averaged half a steal in the exact same number of minutes. His field goal percent is up 2% season over season. So he has actually made a little bit of progress by largely by cutting down a little bit on his three-point attempts, because those have been dragging him down, and by doing a little bit more on the defensive side. So he's been a little bit better this year. I'll give him that, but he's still not a standard nine-category guy. Question with Colin Sexton is, does he get any better from this point? Does his fantasy game evolve at all? And the thing that it's desperately missing is passing of any nature, and I just don't think he's that guy. So he's basically now become their off guard, with Darius Garland assuming some measure of point guard duties, and he's been a mixed bag, but decent lately. Garland over the last week is number 116, despite the fact he does have five assists per game over that stretch. I, I think I'd even rather have his lines lately than Sexton, despite the fact that Collins has been the, the higher-ranked player over that couple-of-week stretch. Because, for Garland, he's also getting you about one steal per game in that spell. Not too dissimilar from Sexton on the defensive side. Neither one of those guys is going to put up big numbers there. But the five assists and a couple of three-pointers a game, that's a bump. Between the two of them, I would prefer Garland. Between the two of them and the field, I would prefer the field. I mean, I'm going to get to some other names in today's show that I would far prefer to have over these guys. Garland has a little bit of a stash appeal in terms of maybe a keeper thing, like maybe he figures out a bit more about the passing stuff, and, and you could see his game evolve a tiny bit season over season. With Sexton, I just, I don't know. You really desperately need to have scoring for him to need a spot on your fantasy team. That's where we sit with Cleveland right now, but we're going to keep watching these guys because it's a new story every single time they play. For Detroit... Everybody's still hurt, and we have no real idea when any of them are coming back. I have seen almost no news on Markeith Morris, despite the fact that he hasn't played since December 26th. He was just out. I mean, we had word that he was out for yesterday's game the day before. He was ruled out Wednesday, so he's not close. Does he come back at all this season? I legitimately have no idea. I'm going to start assuming with this Pistons team that nobody's coming back. I think we may want to just flip it and say, I don't think anybody's going to play for this team. Because Luke Kennard was supposed to be reevaluated two or three days ago, and we never heard anything. There was no update. So he's probably out at least a few more weeks, maybe more. Markeith Morris, we have almost no update, so he's out at least a few more weeks. Reggie Jackson, he's been out for months, and there's no reason to think that's changing. So right now, I think we just need to assume that this is the roster the Pistons are going to be trotting out there until somebody blows their doors off with an offer for Andre Drummond, at which point we reassess things a little bit, and big men probably get some measure of a bump. In the interim, Andre Drummond is getting a, a similar flavor of the Tristan Thompson music, which is play your way out of town. You want to go play for a contender or a team that is more fun? Give me some 2020 games. We'll get you out of here. Good time to own Andre Drummond this month. He played 49 minutes in this game. Yeesh. Seku Dumbuya was a guy, obviously, that everybody's been talking about. He had foul trouble in this game and then just never got back in late. 
I think he'll probably see closer to that 30-minute mark in the next one. But obviously, with fouls and with a different roster that was playing okay, he just didn't get an opportunity late. Tony Snell is terrible. Uh, Svi Mikaliuk is definitely not an ad. I know people were picking him up and dropping him after a couple of better shooting games, but please say you weren't one of them. And then Christian Wood is another name where he's so buried in the doghouse, you have to like you have to shuffle through all sorts of dog toys to even get a look at him right now. He's so far in the back of the doghouse, it's crazy. Dwayne Casey hates him. I don't fully understand why he hates him because Don Maker played 25 minutes. And this is the thing with this Detroit team. If Andre Drummond gets traded, it might be Thon Maker or Thon Macare, if we're deciding that's how it's supposed to be pronounced now. That would see the biggest bump. He has an interesting fantasy game that we haven't really been able to see cut loose because, I mean, you can go to his game log. McCare's basically never played a normal starter's game. The 25 minutes and 7 seconds he played on Thursday was his second highest total of the year behind a 25-minute and 9-second game in a Detroit win against the Rockets back on December the 14th. He had 4 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 blocks in that game. Want to know who was out for that game? You guessed it. Andre Drummond. You want to know who was in for that game? Blake Griffin and Markeith Morris. If Andre Drummond gets traded and no clear starting center comes back, you might get a Thon Maker starting center 25 to 28 minutes a game situation where with his size and lanky bot, I mean, he's, he's like 7'1", 220 and long, he could actually average multiple blocks a game. We don't have any reasonable proof of what this dude can do with bigger minutes. I mean, he averaged 19 minutes a game for Detroit last year after the trade and averaged a little over a block in that span. You get him up into the mid-20s, and you're looking at maybe 1.5 to 2 blocks a game. The other stuff wouldn't be particularly interesting. Look at some of his game logs from last year. This is the best, this is the best data we can possibly pull up. He had a 33-minute game last year on March 18th where he put up 7 points and 9 rebounds. He had a 28-minute game the following day, 10 points, 6 boards, a 3-ball, a steal, and 3 blocks. He had a 41-minute game on April 1st last year in Indiana, 14-6 and six with 4 blocks. 33 minutes the next day, 2 points, 4 boards, 1 block. So the blocks were there. The other stuff was lacking. And I don't know that we would assume anything otherwise. So he's not at all a watch list guy yet. He's not even close to that. But if something does happen with Andre Drummond and everybody in your league is rushing to get Christian Wood, you could maybe pick up Don Maker and sneak through. Derek Rose is going to play a lot in the interim here as long as his body can handle it. And then Bruce Brown has been really good. Credit to Jonas Nader for pointing him out as somebody to watch a couple weeks ago. With the entire team hurt, he's been racking up assists like they're going out of style. He's averaging six over his last couple of ball games. He had eight last night. Ton of steals over that stretch. And he's doing that really interesting across the board stuff. The only thing he doesn't do is shoot the three ball. So there's a little bit of a downside there. If you need threes, if you're in a punt threes format right now, he is, I mean, he's number 57 over the last week hitting 0.5 
0.33 a game and shooting 39.5%. You take the three ball out, you're punting threes in a nine cat. That, that puts him in the top 30, 35 range. With a bunch of big men, rare to find a guard that fits the punt three ball mold quite the way that he does. And like I said, I don't know that any of these guys are ever coming back. I don't know if Luke Kennard is ever coming back. So Bruce Brown, crazy as it may seem, is probably a must-own guy right now. I just, I don't, I don't see who's going to take his minutes in the short term. Over the last month, he's averaging 29 minutes a game, basically since Luke Kennard went out. 11, 5, and 5 with two steals and half a block. This is over a month we're talking about. And yet, he's owning 17% of leagues. And it's my own fault because I didn't really bring him up very much. But I kept thinking, well, Luke Kennard, you know, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. They're going to reevaluate him on January 7th. Never happened. I think he might just be out. If Kennard resurfaces, feel free to punt Bruce Brown to the curb. But right now, he's rolling at a month of top 65 play. And again, if you are punting three-pointers, that's a month of more like top 40 play. So you better get him into your lineup because he's going nuts right now. Even if you're not punting threes, he's been very useful. He's not going to score a ton, but again, there's just like nobody left alive on this team. So he's just falling into 11 points. And they're in the Eastern Conference, so the schedule is not that hard. They're going to play a lot of really easy defenses. So I think you got to pick him up. That was a lot of time spent on one game, and we have so much left to do today. Boston at Philadelphia. Ennis Cantor, uh, quieter, but he's still a hold, and I think that's the only real note from that side. Joel Embiid had finger surgery prior to the games on Thursday, and he's expected to be out for a couple of weeks. Doesn't sound that huge. Initial thought was, does someone like a Mike Scott or a Kylo Quinn step up? Uh, and instead... Not surprisingly, they decided to go with Al Horford at center, which is what they definitely should be doing, and Al was great. This is a massive opportunity to roll up some stats with Horford, and then maybe you could even sell him off in a week and a half. I don't know. Probably not. But just enjoy it, most likely. Portland, Minnesota. Portland is really bad these days. Boy, if Damian Lillard doesn't have a gigantic ball game, they're just getting waxed. G.J. McCollum looked like he wasn't fully healthy working his way back from his illness. Carmelo Anthony was awful. They put Rob Covington on him, and he turned into nothing. Hassan Whiteside had a, a pretty solid ball game, as per usual, but not even close to enough, and then they just got blown out. Nothing really changes on that Portland side, other than, you know, we're sort of looking at him like, geez, you guys got to find a way to win a couple ball games and not fall out of this thing. For Minnesota, on the other hand, a lot of stuff to take away. Obviously, blowouts cause some depressed minute totals, but what we are seeing is that Shabazz Napier is trending down. He's lost minutes to Jeff Teague as he's gotten healthy now. Teague is, is definitely a start guy. Andrew Wiggins is settling back in. He missed some free throws, but his other stuff was a little bit better in this ballgame. Gorgie Jang only needed to play 17 minutes, which is a pisser, but obviously you're streaming him until Cat comes back, who, by the way, Cat was su supposedly going to be a game-time decision on Thursday, and then he was ruled out about two hours ahead of time. So I, I think you're looking at probably another couple of missed ball games. although the mere fact that they suggested there was a chance he might play means I think you probably do see him back in the next one to two weeks. But over that stretch, whatever that happens to be, one game, three games, five games, whatever you can get out of Gorgie Jang, you use it right now because he's been 
truly incredible in his fill-in role, which we always kind of knew was going to be the case because he's had this great fantasy game for forever, but he's number 48 over the last month. 12, 8.5, one and a half threes, almost one and a half steals, a block, one turnover. I mean, he's just been great, making his free throws too. You just, I know that there's this, this tendency to want to sort of get out in front of stuff. And there's so many guys popping up on the waiver wire right now that it's like, oh, can I just, like, can I get rid of Gorgie Jang yet? I, like, I know he's going to run out of gas here soon, but every game you can get out of him, especially if you're in a games cap roto deal, you want to put his stuff into your roto buckets. Head to head, you can make the argument that you move on a little bit sooner because, you know, whatever. If he's not helping you for the tail end of a week, but you get a guy that's going to be better towards the end of the year, yeah, you make those moves a little bit sooner. Which brings us to Jarrett Culver, who, by all accounts, had a quieter game because of his four turnovers. But if you wipe those out, because obviously that stuff's going to level off in the long run, 12.6 boards and assists in a couple of blocks is really not bad. And that's been kind of one of his worst games. He didn't take any free throws, also a big deal. The biggest deal, he played 30 minutes. They just want him out there right now. Even in a blowout, they were running him out there for extra playing time just to get him on the floor and get him more experience. So they are very high on Culver. As I said, I think on yesterday's show, or maybe in the day before, as keepers go, to me, he should be at the top of your list. Because this Minnesota team is going to be moving on from Jeff Teague. They are most likely going to be clearing out room to get Culver in there for huge minutes and huge growth of game and basically at this point if he was making his free throws he would rocket up the charts he was making his shots he would rocket up the charts those are things that I think you can assume will get better because it's not like he's a point guard running the team you know he's not only taking low percentage shots he's just things aren't going in he's just a young guy adjusting to the speed of the ball game I mean he's flying around the court like these layups that he has an opportunity to make he'll start making them because he's a big guy not huge but like He's a wing. So I have really high hopes for him down the line. I still don't know exactly what we're going to get the rest of this year. The percentages might just be bad for the season. But to me, you kind of have to carve out a spot as kind of an active stash on your team, especially because he's getting steals and blocks from that wing spot at a really high clip. Those guys, you know we love those guys at hoop ball. Their percentages are just atrocious. So I get it if you have to sort of leave them on your bench in the short term. Oklahoma City blew out Houston in the Russell Westbrook return game. He was good, believe it or not, and then everybody else for the Rockets was pretty bad. P.J. Tucker was bad. Daniel House was bad. Eric Gordon didn't play. James Harden was horrible as games go. I mean, he always ends up with something, but bad game. Clint Capella was meh, and he hurt his heel in this one, so you might actually get an Isaiah Hartenstein stream opportunity here if Capella has to miss a couple of ball games. Just something to throw on your list. I didn't actually see the injury, but keep it, it kind of in the back of your mind and, and watch for updates, because if you can get Hartenstein, he's going to play some, you know, if he gets 25 minutes at the center spot, you know what this team can do with a 25-minute a center. You know, one in, four out kind of thing. He's just going to be cleaning up stuff and catching lobs all day. In any event, Oklahoma City, obviously the more impressive of the two teams in this one. Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Shea, Stephen Adams, all very, very good. But nothing to do there on the fantasy front. Let's transition from the Thursday recap to the full week in review now, because that Thursday took a lot longer than I expected, but there were a lot of names that 
you're going to hear retreads here. Starting with the pickups. I put Tristan Thompson in the pickups, and I already explained why, because he should have been on your waiver wire for the last month. He was really, really bad for about five weeks in a row, killing your free throw percent, while really not getting the defensive stats that was separating him at the beginning of the year. But now, pick him up. Ride him while he's trying to get traded. Jared Culver, who we just talked about, is a pickup, because I do think that there's a well, I mean, there's an intensely bright future for this kid. You know how skeptical I am of rookies. So please take this and understand how hard it is for me to give a rookie a ton of credit. But Jarrett Culver's non-percentages are so good right now that even I can't resist them. Look at his game log lately. It's insane. He's number 120 over the last two weeks. With 14 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1.3 blocks, and 1.43 pointers over that stretch. And 2 turnovers, which is not horrible, but not good. You're talking about now, effectively, a guy that can be very, very good in steals. Like, really good. He can be very good in blocks, particularly for his position. The points is fine. The rebounds are fine. The assists are eh, slightly subpar, but we'll go ahead and call them fine. The issue, as it's always been with, we just talked about it a second ago, is the percentages. So it's not like some of these guys where it's like, yeah, but they're horrible in X number of things. With Culver, you just got to keep him off the foul line. Like, you can stomach the 44% free field goal stuff over the last two weeks. It's the 47% free throw that, I mean, the numbers are insane. Like, well, let's just do a little exercise here on air to try to express what this what this really means and why even curmudgeonly old Dan is so excited about a young player. Like I said, outside the top 100 over the last two weeks on the numbers I just gave you. If you punt free throws, he's number 53. All right? Massive, massive leap. This is a kid that already has top 50 potential, but you got to get rid of that free throw thing. And again, I don't know if that's going to happen. But I don't. I just don't see how you can leave him on a waiver wire with as good as he's been in those other categories, even if you don't start him. Anyway, we've already talked about him enough on today's show. Troy Brown Jr. should be added in Washington. He has a massive role right now, regardless, basically, of who's in there. But let's keep a close watch on what's going on. Davis Bertans is back for this ballgame. Sounds like Thomas Bryant is not far away from returning. No clue what's going on with Mo Wagner. Bradley Beal, questionable with soreness. They thought maybe they might get him for one of these games this week. I don't think he'll be out for more than another one to two weeks max, would be my guess. So things are about to change quite a lot. Ish Smith, Isaiah Thomas are split minutes at that point guard spot. But the one thing that's not really threatened is Troy Brown at kind of the 2-3. The I don't know why I put Dwight Powell in the pickups. He He's... Be well beyond that point. He should be on a team, and he should have been for almost a month now. Norman Powell, on the other hand, does deserve a spot on our pickup list because it sounds like he's going to play, I would guess with some sort of minutes cap, in the Raptors game on Sunday. So by the end of the weekend, we could be seeing Norman Powell, and with no Freddie Van Fleet, you guys probably remember, what did Norman Powell do the last time he had that open avenue with one of the main starting guards art out? He went nuts! He was averaging 20 points a game on good percentages during that stretch with a bunch of steals and like 
four rebounds and a couple of assists. He was putting up mid-round numbers. Very much a stash right now. You may only have to sit through one or two games where you don't get to start him. Big, big deal. Get him on your roster this moment. I should have put him at the start of the show. And then DeLon Wright, who's on my almost pickup chart, as we talked about before, because he did play that big number of minutes. The reason I'm calling it almost pickup is that, well, he plays tonight, Friday night. Dallas is hosting the Lakers in a 645 ultra late start because it's an ESPN game. Super late for Dallas, I should say. It's like 845 local time out there. That's a crazy late start. Sorry, Mavs fans. Like, how do you take a kid to that game? They're going to be at the they're going to be at the arena until 11:30 at night. TV, man. TV rules still. Delon Wright was great, by the way, the last time the Mavs played the Lakers. So, you know, in terms of opportunities for him to to cut loose a little bit, he's done it once against this team. If he gets a decent chunk of minutes in this ball game, I would recommend him him as an ad everywhere. There are very few guys that can do what he does just in general. I mean, he's inside the top 90 in 20 minutes a game. If that number goes up by 20 to 25% and he's up in the 24-26 range, you're talking about a top 60 rest of season. Those guys do not grow into That's a fifth rounder that could pop up for you. So please watch this game with your eyes wide open. I mean, hell, if he plays 12 minutes in the first half, I might pick him up tonight. Delon Wright, very much on the chart of we are awfully close. And if you're worried somebody else might do it before you, screw it. Do it before the game. Drop list. We need, like, we need sad music to play before the drop list. <laughs> Maybe the, what is it, the, the Charlie Brown? Uh, oh, darn forgetting it in the fly Daniel House and basically all of the Rockets besides PJ Tucker who bought himself some more time with a really big ball game in Atlanta James Harden obviously Clint Capella obviously Russell Westbrook but in terms of those fringy guys Tucker's the only one that belongs on your rosters same kind of deal with the Raptors basically all of the Raptors belong not on your roster especially now with Norman Powell coming back so he's going to cut into the playing time of Terrence Davis and Patrick McCaw who I had Davis on my watch list, but I don't think he's going to survive this this Norman Powell return. And it sounds like Pascal Siakam and Marc Gasol are not that far away. So you, I mean, those guys probably on rosters already, but if somebody happened to drop Marc Gasol, you'd probably pick him up and stash him now also. But all of those other guys, the Chris Boucher's, the Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's, the Terrence Davis's, the Patrick McCaws, all of those guys do not belong on a roster. Alfred Payton is a drop, and he has been for a couple weeks now. I'm going to just keep beating that drum, and you guys can keep hating me for it, but I hate his fantasy game. And then here's one that's going to get you guys a little a little uh, underpants twisted. Spencer Dinwiddie I have on my drop list. And that's fine. You can put him as a hold if you want. And believe it or not... It's not because of Kyrie Irving. It's partly because of Kyrie Irving. Probably not fair to say not. It's it's partially that. But I cannot, I really can't think of a player in recent memory. You know what? His recent run has been somewhat Andrew Wiggins-like, but he's not getting nearly the guff that Wiggins got 
when he was putting up numbers like this. Over the last month, Spencer Dinwiddie is averaging 25.5 points and six assists per ballgame. And if I told you that, you'd, I'd then follow it up by saying, what do you think is the lowest possible ranking that someone with those numbers could possibly have over a month? So this is like, this is a sample size, you know? This isn't two games. This is like 15. And you'd probably say to me, I can't imagine it's worse than top 150, right? You might even say a higher number. Is it really worse than like top 130? 216 in 33 minutes a game. You're obviously not worried about that aspect. Because on 21 shots a game, he's shooting 41%. Eh. On nine free throws a game, he's shooting 73%. Eh. And this, by the way, is not that weird because he was well over his career free throw mark prior to this most recent month. And he was well over his career field goal percent prior to this recent month. So these negative moves were likely, if perhaps not so, well, harsh. The other stuff of note, Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't get defensive stats, never has, and those have petered off. He was up around one steal a game, and over the last month, he's at .5. He's at 3.2 turnovers per game over that stretch, which, I mean, he's running the offense, so not super surprising, you're seeing him turn back into the guy that I said, I don't think that I like this dude's fantasy game. And then he went on that crazy efficient run, and I thought, oh my god, are you kidding me? Like this, I whiffed on this? He's still scoring a lot of points, and he's getting assists, but you need more than two out of nine categories to make a fantasy player. So Spencer Dinwiddie, I'm being mean, by the way. I'm being needlessly cruel by putting him on the watch list, because you could almost definitely trade him to somebody by saying, look, two weeks ago he scored 40. And he's still putting up big numbers, and I don't think Karis LeVert's going to change the scoring side of things all that much for him. Maybe a little bit. You should be able to get something for him in a trade because there's a lot of name power, and somebody averaging 25 and 6 is going to get you something. But he's physically hurting your team right now. He's hurting way more than he's helping. That's what it means when you're outside the top 200. You are hurting more than you're helping. Holds. Already talked about Ennis Cantor. Not worried about his minutes. Boston, you know, they'll, they'll do a little hot hand stuff. Daniel Tice played a little bit better last couple of ballgames. And Ennis was still okay. Jeff Teague is a hold. His minutes have been ramping back up again. Damian Lee is a hold. We had some questions about what to do with him because his contract was expiring. And then the Warriors, you know, they took care of this stuff. Like, the, they love this kid. And they're going to play him a whole bunch the rest of the way. Willie Cauley-Stein, also on the Warriors, also on my hold list. Because he's their only rim protection especially since they got rid of uh, Marquise Chris. So more minutes actually opened up at, in the front court, so he'll be fine. Brandon Clark is a hold. I know he's been super quiet lately, but he does it with his field goal percent anyway, so you just take the bad, wait for the good. And right now, I'm putting Aaron Baines barely on the hold list. He is awfully close to becoming a drop, and if they ultimately punt him from the starting lineup, then yes, he immediately moves into the drop list couple of interesting names, I thought, on the hold list as well for me. Derek Jones Jr., he's still a hold for me right now. I want to see what happens with Justice Winslow as his minutes start to come back up. If Justice gets up into that 30 range, at some point, Derek Jones Jr. is going to suffer in the minutes per game department. But right now, he still looked good in that first game with Justice getting 15 minutes. 
and I think we give him a little bit more leash. Remember, folks, I had moved him from the streamer list to just the standard ad list because I thought maybe Justice Winslow was just not going to play. He showed me. The out indefinitely tag is a weird one, man. We we'd struggle with it. When they hit a month, then you're kind of like, is this person ever going to play again? And then Miles Bridges, who's kind of back from the dead here over the last couple of ball games, he's gotten he managed to move his season long value to to top one fifty, with basically about two weeks of pretty solid play. Still not much in the way of defensive stats. And to me, if those don't come around, he's doomed. Because his percentages, he's on a hot stretch right now where the ball's going in the bucket. But he's a guy, athletic forward type, that really needs his fantasy game to include steals and blocks. It just has to. Guys like that, they don't survive in fantasy without defensive stats. Look at Aaron Gordon. You know, I don't, I don't want to say that Miles Bridges is going to be the next Aaron Gordon, but their, their fantasy profiles are not that far apart. Gordon's just worse in both percentages. The other numbers are almost exactly the same. Aaron Gordon, 13 points. Bridges, 12 and a half. Gordon, 7 and a half rebounds. Bridges, 5 and a half. Both guys right around 1 and a half assists per game. Both guys right in that half to point seven on steals and blocks per game. Both guys somewhere between one and one and a half three-pointers per game. I mean, they're like carbon copies right now, with Bridges shooting the ball 4% better from the field and 10% better at the free throw line. So, that I mean, that's not nothing, but it ain't that different. So he's a hold for me right now, but... Yeah, I'm not super helpful. Watch list, guys. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, who we already talked about, just to see if anything shakes out of that tree. Kem Birch is on my watch list in case he picks up the Jonathan Isaac pieces, who, by the way, I know we did a podcast late last week where I said, let's wait a second and find out what's going on here. You can drop him. Kind of buried the lead on this one as well. Orlando Magic made it more official by applying for a disabled player exemption for both Jonathan Isaac and Al Farouk Aminu which basically suggests that Orlando thinks neither one of them is coming back this year. And if they're granted the exception, then I don't think they can bring them back this year. So someone's going to have to play those 30-some-odd minutes a game. It's not entirely clear who it is, but it was Birch in the last one. And if he somehow manages to carve out a role near 30 minutes, he would probably do enough in rebounds and defensive stats to earn himself a spot at the very end of rosters. But compared to some of the guys we have on our pickup list right now, he's not super interesting. And then Alex Len is the last name on my watch list. He just he's still playing okay. He had that one bad one against Nikola Jokic, but otherwise, he's actually been a pretty good third big man of late. But there's like there's no upside there, which again, you're looking at these other names on the list. I'd far rather have some of these guys that where you're like, okay, well, if things break right, this dude could actually climb inside the top 80. For Alex Len, if things break right, he just sort of stays near the top 100. That's a best case. Streamers! Streamers! I, I, I didn't know what category to put Bruce Brown and Sekou Dumbuya in because I have no idea if anybody's coming back for Detroit, but I just put them in this one. They're probably pickups. You could call them streamers. They might last for a, two months. They might last for four days. It's really hard to know right now, but you might as well just enjoy it while it's going. Gorgie Jang, obviously a great streamer, while Carl Anthony Towns remains out. Jordan McRae continues to be a good streamer in Washington while Bradley Beal is out. Aaron Holiday, stream capable, although he's cooled off and the Pacers are a lot worse with him as the starting point guard. They miss Malcolm Brogdon badly, and I think he's expected back here pretty soon. 
Jeremy Grant, great streamer while Paul Millsap is out. JJ Redick, a nice stream while Drew Holiday is out. If AD misses any time, McGee and Dwight Howard would be streams. Isaiah Hardenstein, who we mentioned a moment ago. And finally, and this one's an interesting one that we haven't covered yet today, the situation in Chicago. Willie, uh, excuse me, Wendell Carter Jr., WCJ instead of WCS, was ruled out for a month to a month and a half with his sprained ankle. That turned out to be a pretty big deal. In game one without him, the Bulls went heavy on the Lowry Markkinen at center thing, and it didn't work that great. Thad Young played a ton, 33 minutes, and if he gets 33 minutes, he's a top 70 guy. We've seen this before. You guys know my love for old man Thad, but you also know that I have said a thousand times he needs to play 30 minutes to have fantasy value, and he wasn't getting anywhere near that prior to this Wendell Carter Jr. injury. If we've already heard that that Gafford is going to be starting the Bulls' next ball game, we don't know if that means he's going to see more than his 16 minutes. He might play eight to start the game and then just not get back in, or they might trot him out there for 25 minutes a game, in which case Thad Young probably falls back below the cut line, and then Gafford's the guy. This looks like a situation that could fluctuate based on opponent. Gafford is not particularly heavily owned, particularly after that 16-minute performance the last time out, but he is straight-up block specialist. He's got that written all over him. We have almost no portfolio to work with here because he's been playing fairly exclusively backup minutes, but he had a 20-minute game in mid-December where he blocked six shots. And in the games he's played this year, I'm going to exclude the one where he got one minute, the game where he got two minutes, and the four games to start the season where he played a combined 10 minutes. If you remove those games... So basically, anytime he's logged five minutes or more, only four times has he not blocked a shot. Okay, so basically, 16-ish, 17 out of about 21 times this year, he's been on the floor, he's blocked a shot. He's averaging 12 minutes a game and 1.4 blocks in that spell. If he actually starts to see consistent playing time, and and you don't even need 25 minutes for a guy like him, he's got a little bit of that Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel thing going on, where if he even gets up to 18 minutes, he's probably fantasy useful. I could not have envisioned this going any better for someone like me, who likes to wait before diving into the pool, where Gafford had that big ball game, against Dallas, and everybody picked him up. And then he played 16 minutes and did squat at New Orleans, and everybody dropped him. And so today, he's clearing waivers in basically every single one of my leagues. And we can watch this game where he's starting tonight, we've heard, against Indiana. And I'll tell you right now, if he plays 10 minutes in the first half, I'm picking him up in any place that I can afford to. Basically, any team where I really need blocks, which is most teams, because they're super hard to find. And if you get a decent at them, in Roto, that's free points, basically. And in head-to-head, that's a really easy category to win if you have a couple of good shot blockers. Roto in particular. So put him on the list, too. Oh, the list is growing, folks. We have a lot of guys right now that are surfacing. This is when you got to be making your two-for-one trades, clearing out roster spots. Well, this podcast, as expected, is going uh, 
not too far from the one-hour mark. Let's look at the next game for every team in the league. I want to do this from a fantasy perspective first, and then we'll loop back around and do some Friday betting thoughts. Fantasy-wise, tonight, Atlanta is at Washington. On the Atlanta side, you know, we got one eye on Alex Len, but again, with all these other names right now, he moves down the priority totem pole. Washington, same kind of thing. Davis Breton's coming back. Curious what that does to everybody else in the rotation in terms of usage and shots and stuff like that, but more of a reaction than a pro-action here with Washington. I don't, I don't think that we're going to regret not doing something related to this ball game, although... The total for this game is 239, so somebody's going to do something crazy. New Orleans is at New York. Pelicans have been playing their butts off lately. Mostly just the health of Drew Holiday. That's the only thing we're worried about here. I don't believe he's playing in this ballgame, so you can use guys like Josh Hart and J.J. Redick a little bit more freely. For New York, it sounds like Marcus Morris is probably still out. We don't yet have a report on Julius Randle. Blech, all the way across the board. Miami at Brooklyn. The Heat... I do believe that even as they get healthy, Duncan Robinson can stay above the cut line with Jimmy and with Bam. I don't think I'm venturing any farther than that. For Brooklyn, Karis LeVert is the player to watch. Can he ever fix the percentages? Or is he always going to be a vastly overrated fantasy asset? San Antonio, they're just taking a bunch of three-pointers right now, but it's not really changing who I'm watching on that team. For Memphis, I'm hoping we can see a little bit more from Brandon Clark. I want to have one of those games where he gets uh, going a little bit. This is a tough month for rookies, though, in general. This is sort of dog days. Finish line is not in sight. All-star break is not in sight. For Memphis, they have the advantage of actually playing well lately and being competitive, and so that can elevate spirits a little bit, but this is a tough time of year. This is when guys start to hit a little bit of a wall. I still love Brandon Clark. I think you got to have him the rest of the year. Indiana is at Chicago. They desperately need Malcolm Brogdon back. Otherwise, there isn't a whole lot to watch with the Pacers. 19 days and counting until Victor Oladipo comes back. Chicago, we just talked about what to watch there. Gafford, Miles Turner, just a shot-blocking extravaganza that could go on in that ballgame. But, I mean, does he play eight minutes, then come out and only play 16 in the ballgame? You know, this is something to worry about. I need to see him get up closer to 20, and then I'll buy it hard because those blocks are... I mean, they'll just he'll do the Mitchell Robinson thing. Just get on skates, block as many shots as you can for 19 to 20 minutes, and if that's three, it's outstanding. Hopefully you get a couple dunks in there too. Interesting, very interesting one. I, I, want, I do want to pay attention to that game if, if possible. Orlando, Phoenix. I mean, yeah, kind of you're watching Kem Birch. You're kind of watching Aaron Baines, but not really. This is a sort of watch game. Charlotte, Utah, not much to pay attention to there other than Miles Bridges playing better. Lakers, the Anthony Davis news is really your only thing on that side of this ball game. With Dallas, DeLon Wright, really key player. I want to know if he's starting, and I want to know how many minutes he's playing, even if he's not. He's so close to being a guy that I can use every single day, and, and technically he has been at a top 85 clip, but man, he's close to making a leap here if they just give him a little more freedom. Oh, man, that'd be one of those ones where... If I'm if I don't end up with him, I'll I'll kick myself so hard in the gut because he could be a he could really be a game changer. There just aren't that many guys like that. And if they give him opportunity, Milwaukee don't care about anything going on there. Sacramento, Marvin Bagley sounds like he's close actually, and Nemanja Bjelica sounds like he suddenly is hurt. So who the hell knows? Someone tweeted at me. I forget who. A soul for a soul with the Sacramento Kings, which great uh, Avengers reference. They just, yeah, they can't get that whole front court healthy. 
if Bagley's healthy, then Bielitsa's out. If if Bagley's out and Holmes goes out, then Bielitsa's healthy. Then once there's all three, we'll figure out what the hell's going on. But right now, anyway, we'll uh, we'll get a feel for it. I don't know who's going to be playing for that team tonight. And if it's just Bagley, then you figure he should see a decent chunk of minutes, but probably on a little bit of a leash. And then Dwayne Dedman goes back to disappearing. But he is a super interesting stash. If they can somehow move that contract. He has a very similar game to like a Gorgie Jang, who we just saw as a starter, putting up top 50 numbers here for a month. So these guys are out there. They're floating right now. I got to clear out roster space. That's the news of the day for me. Warriors at Clippers... I don't care. Clippers haven't played in forever. So presumably Kawhi's knee should be feeling pretty good for this ballgame. And remember, only five back-to-backs for Kawhi the rest of the way. Great time to buy on Kawhi. He ain't going to miss that many more games than other people, barring a regular old-fashioned injury. It's a pretty big Friday. Ten games late tonight. So we're only missing ten other teams. Minnesota at Houston. We turn the page towards Saturday. Cat. That's your story there. And Culver and Teague and Napier. Houston, Capella's health. Do we want to stream Isaiah Hartenstein? Pels, we talked about. Boston, don't really care. Chicago, Detroit. We're talking about them. Ad nauseum now. Dumbuya, Bruce Brown. Anybody come back? Doubt it. Lakers, Thunder. Nothing there. Philly, Dallas. We talked about Dallas already. Nothing with Philly. Unless they decide they want to go and start O'Quinn, but I doubt it. Cleveland-Denver, constant watch with the Cavaliers, particularly the guards, and then obviously the big men are playing hard right now. Denver, it's just a health thing. You know who's going to do what regardless. They're a pretty easy one to follow. And then Portland is the only other team playing on Saturday we haven't talked about, and they're not a super interesting fantasy team right now either. Anybody not playing through the weekend? Or not playing Friday-Saturday, I should say. I think that's it. I mean, we talked about Toronto earlier in the show. They're going on Sunday, and they might get some of their guys back. But otherwise, that about does it. So let's turn back to Friday for our last note. And hey, I want to remind you guys, we're going to be changing things up a little bit here. Oh, boy, I have all these. Oh, man, I wish I had gone faster the rest of the show. I have so many things I still want to tell you guys here at the end of the podcast. Good Lord, why did I wait this long? Okay, get ready. Big news number one. I have like four things. Oh, good Lord. These are all really cool things, too. Big news number one. The Hoop Ball betting podcast has a name. And it's a name that if you followed me in my history, you know is close to my heart. And the Hoop Ball sports betting podcast is called Today in Sports Betting. I need a clapping sound effect. I'm going to do it myself. Yay! Today in sports betting is back. It'll be hosted by four primo betting minds here at HoopBall. Three of them you've met before in some capacity. The great Josh Millman, who is shifting. Well, he's still going to be doing fantasy coverage uh, on the written side. But in terms of podcasting, he's shifting his, his podcasting work from fantasy to sports betting. My good buddy, Neil Rochlani, who has hosted this podcast before and has hosted the Box Score Breakdown all of last season, he is the spreadsheet master. If you want somebody to get betting angles and do it on the numbers, Neil is your guy. Devin Ellington, one of our newest fantasy heads here at HoopBall, is hosting as well. And then a fresh face that you don't know yet, Ira Silver 
is going to be the fourth host of that podcast. They're going to be rotating through throughout the week, but it'll be the same four voices every week. It's a Monday through Friday show where the guys are going to be breaking down not just basketball, but all betting. The full card is getting the treatment almost every single day on that show. And I cannot wait for you guys to check out the debut episode coming, this is big news number two, Monday. That show's coming out. I guess that was part of big news number one. In any event, that was, oh, it's it, it's Monday. By the time you listen to this podcast, if you listen to this show on Sunday, you'll only be a day away from our brand new podcast. This is one of the most exciting things that we've done at HoopBall, for me at least. I, you know you know me, I'm over big here on the, the, the AV side. The DFS show that Coach Mike and company launched back in September was one of my biggest things that we've done at HoopBall in a long time. And this betting podcast is up there as one of the biggest AV things we're going to do at HoopBall in a really long time. I'm super excited about it. And the way that you guys can make sure you get that first episode is to check out HoopBall's brand new Twitter feed at HoopBallGaming. HoopBallGaming. Nothing has happened over on that yet because a show hasn't come out yet. But those four guys are also going to be contributing to the HoopBallGaming Twitter feed it's going to be interesting notes. It's going to be best bets. It's going to be all that fun stuff. It's going to be handicapping and analysis. That'll go run kind of in conjunction with the podcast. And that is, again, at Hoopball Gaming. So take a moment to go follow that right now. And if you want to get out in front of it, you can search for Today in Sports Betting. It's on iTunes now. It exists. I'm going to try to get the link sent out a whole bunch of times today and over the weekend. And you can even drop a five-star review on that show from... They have a demo episode up where Josh and Neil introduce the whole team. So excited about that. Again, that's at Hoopball Gaming, and the show is today in sports betting. Another piece of big news is that up until today, the best bets we've been giving out at Hoopball have been contained within exclusively the premium side of our content. But thanks to our buddies and a partnership, a sponsorship from mybookie.ag, those are now officially going to be given away for free for a month. So our winning best bets will be giving out here on the podcast. We'll be giving out on the HoopBall various Twitter feeds, probably at, at HoopBall Gaming. And so then you can bet right along with us, and you don't have to buy the whole premium pass for the next month. If you like it, if you're winning, then you get on board. Join us for the last two months of the, the premium subscription on the for the for the bets and for all the other good stuff we've got. But thanks to mybookie.ag, we're able to give that to you for the next month for free. Go sign up now. Mybookie.ag is the website. The promo code to use is the word TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. And on your first deposit, I mean, do what I did. Somebody gave me 100 bucks for the holidays last year. And this year, I dropped it into my MyBookie account. I opened up a, an account, put in 100 bucks with the promo code TODAY. They gave me an extra 50 and I can play with that for two years if I want to. I'll put five or ten bucks on every game we wager, and we'll just slowly grow our bankroll. So join us, won't you, as we give away our best bets on Twitter for free for a month, thanks to the good folks at mybookie.ag. Promo code, once again, is the word today. Make today the day you go do it. We'll find some good stuff. It's a 10-damn-game Friday card. Oh, we'll find some stuff. Here's my leans, by the way, before we wrap up today's podcast. 
Uh, Washington is favored by a point over the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think I want anything to do with that ball game. Washington has been somewhat unpredictable, although significantly better at home. So if you're going to do anything in that one, you probably lean to the Washington side. New Orleans has been beating the hell out of everybody. This one is a scary line, only a four and a half point road favorite. But if anything, you're leaning that direction. Miami, three and a half point favorites at Brooklyn on the road. Brooklyn's been slumping very hard, which is a scary time to wager on a team because they're hungry. Memphis, San Antonio, two hot teams going head-to-head right now. Indiana, three-point road favorites at Chicago. I don't know what the hell's going on with the Bulls, so you, you kind of can't touch that one. Phoenix, three-point favorites, or three-and-a-half, excuse me, point favorites to Orlando at home. Utah laying 11-and-a-half against the Charlotte Hornets. Dallas, two-point favorites over the Lakers. I actually like Dallas a lot in that one. Lakers beat them up something fierce in L.A. the last time around. These two teams already wrapping up, I believe, their whole season series. Anthony Davis is questionable. If he plays, he's not going to be at full tilt. This one, yeah, I, I like the Mavericks a lot in this ballgame, and, and I unabashedly so. Sacramento catching 8.5 at home to the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Clippers laying 13.5. You know how I often like to fade teams that are resting for a really long time, but I do not trust the Warriors on the road in that last one on the docket. We'll obviously get things firmed up here over the course of the day. That's the reason to go follow at HoopBallGaming. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was your Friday edition of Fantasy NBA Today, a full hour of madness, you and me, cruising. Again, coming up next week, we'll have reverse chronological lightning round on Monday and a chat on sustainable and unsustainable trends with our buddy Pedro Doreste. We're going to try to get some rock, paper, scissors action coming back next week if Josh Millman is free, although, again... He'll be firing up that brand new betting podcast we just talked about. Brandon Marcus, always available. And let's see if we can track down Alan or the captain. That was a fun segment as well. But that's next week. We got to get there first. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. I am Dan Bespris. Again, please, a few things to remember here. Hoopball Gaming, mybookie.ag, promo code today. Tweet at me if you want to join our team. Drop a five-star review and sign up for the Hoopball newsletter dashball.com slash newsletter or go do the contest it's still running i totally forgot to remind you the last couple of days the contest to win a free premium subscription or an appearance on a podcast or to play in a specialty hoop ball staff pro league those are the potential prizes you could win go to at hoop ball fantasy we're going to be reminding you guys throughout the day on that one as well good lord there's a lot going on let's just go win some fantasy bucks huh have a great day everybody we'll talk to you on This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.